Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Series Regular. The Hollywood Reporter's all-in podcast on genre television, currently focused, soon to not be focused anymore, on HBO's Watchmen. We're talking season one, episode nine. See how they fly the season finale, potentially even the series finale of HBO's Watchmen, co-written by Damon Lindelof and Nick Cuse, directed by Frederick E.O. Toy. This podcast coming your way, courtesy of Josh Wiggler, that's me. And Antonio Mazzaro, that's the guy whose foot is about to hit the pool. Oh, boy. How how wonderful that you've cast me in this role. I didn't choose it. I think it's important that I choose it. So maybe we should redo that. Maybe I should. Would maybe you I not eat the be, egg? You wouldn't eat the egg? I, I like eggs. Uh, and I, I think it would be cool to have Dr. Manhattan's powers. But I'm not sure I would just immediately decide. It seems like something I would ponder for sure. How about you? Well, I don't know. When does the egg go bad? Uh, somebody who doesn't eat a ton of eggs, I guess I don't know. I'd like to think that you probably have a little bit of time to make this call. But time is a relative thing as it pertains to Dr. Manhattan. And of course, this podcast pertains very much to Dr. Manhattan. And as for time, you don't have much of it to to, to spare if you have not yet watched the Watchmen season finale and are accidentally listening to this podcast. We're going into full tilt spoiler mode here pretty soon as the nine-episode first season of Watchmen has indeed come to a close. Antonio and I are about to talk about it in full detail for the first but not last time we will talk about Watchmen the finale and the season at large again later on this week uh, we will get into feedback from you the listener please send that our way series regular at thr.com is our feedback line you can also tweet at us i'm at round howard antonio you are at ac mazzaro is that correct how many z's how many r's two z's one r no eggs no eggs. Send your questions, your feedback about all things Watchmen to us, whether it's about this finale specifically or something else from the season that you want us to touch on, or even forward-looking, uh, the possibilities that are presented by uh, a, a hypothetical, theoretical second season of this show, which remains at this point, as of this recording, unconfirmed. But at this point, as of this recording, you hopefully have seen See How They Fly, the finale of Watchmen. Antonio and I certainly have seen it. And, oh my goodness, it, well, how do we feel? How do we feel right now with our hands, our, our feet over the edge of a pool, our, our mouths so close to a microphone? How do you feel, Antonio? Dr. Manhattan warned us that this relationship would end tragically, and we certainly saw that play out. So that was to be expected. I'm not sure we expected everything that we saw in this finale in terms of the characters that were involved. Uh, Lady Manhattan, Josh, Lady True, Lady Manhattan, her true purpose is known. Not sure why she needed to build a tower for it, but we can talk about that. But it is, uh, it is, it is all come to be. The seventh K is no more. That was very satisfying. Uh, overall, I'm very, very, very satisfied yes, with agreed. the finale of Watchmen. We got Adrian Veidt back to the story. It connected in a way that made 
cents that I felt like was earned. And we had, uh, even though we jumped right in and, and, and got into that at the beginning of the episode, it's something I think we, we saw the tracks that had been laid for this to work. Uh, we didn't necessarily see, although I think we talked about it maybe at some point here, that it was going to be Adrian Veidt's statue as Adrian Veidt, but here we are. He was frozen in carbonite the whole time. He was frozen in carbonite the whole time. Uh, that means that he was in there. All of him was in there. It's a lot to think about, really. Uh, who knows how long that was the case. Presumably that was him that landed on the Clark farm way back in the day. We didn't get a full confirmation on that. But we got a confirmation on just about everything else. Great speech, hilarious comic speech, really just chewing scenery there, Senator Keene, and a great hilarious ending for him as well. So I think just a lot of humor in this, a lot of great moments, breathtaking moments, just really a, a really fine finale for a season of tv that i think deserve nothing less if you go to thr.com slash watchman right now we have our interview up with damon lindelof a sprawling q a about the ending and a deep dive into the ending and how this ending came together of course a lot goes down uh we spend the most of the first part of the episode with ozymandias with adrian Veidt, learning yes indeed lady true is his daughter though he is loath to use that word and only uses it in a moment of of great need slash humility uh slash maybe manipulation as he spells out save me daughter on Europa, we finally get the answer to what it was he was spelling out there. It took a, a lot of bodies and a lot of time to, to spell out Save Me Daughter, Antonio. And a lot of humility, as Lady True observes. This is a lot for him to accept this, considering we saw him at the beginning of this episode say, what, did, what was the exact line? Well, sample 2346, I will never call you daughter. Like something like right. that, right? Like So yeah. this is a thing that he did. He, he, he went back on his promise. Uh, him being trapped the way he was on Europa really forced him to come to grips, I think, with a lot of what he's doing. And yet he just is still so Ozymandias throughout. Loved the scene at the newspaper stand, by the way, when he's asking about himself. Yeah, it's like, what is, what is everyone saying about uh, good old Adrian these yeah. days? So, yeah, <laughs> to be honest, you know, nobody cares. Honestly, no one really is talking about him at all, to be quite frank. <laughs> oh, quite brutal. Frank. He was better brutal. off with, uh, with uh, the people who were worshipping him back on Europa, I think, with all the Phillipses and Crookshankses. He was. He may come to, obviously, considering where we end up with Adrian Veidt in this episode, he may come to regret leaving Europa for sure, but he did get to save humanity a second time and still a, a seemingly thankless task for Adrian Veidt. Return sure. of the squids. More squid fall here in a Watchmen finale, except this time it's all baby squids and they are raining like cold bullets, uh, a Gatling <laughs> gun from high above as from Karnak in Antarctica, Adrian Veidt with an assist from Lori Blake and Wade Tillman, a.k.a. Mirror Guy, a.k.a. Looking Glass, a.k.a. Temporary Rorschach, or Rorschach, if you prefer, uh, are Temporary raining. Night Owl as well. Mm-hmm, yes. As they're Flying gonna, Archie. They're going to have Archie on their hands once again. Their storyline is going to end with Adrian Veidt being placed under arrest for the, for the hoax that he implemented back in 1985. He's going to pr presumably pay for the crimes of 11285. Who knows how that shakes things up once the secret is out on what Robert Redford knew, him being uh, the president for the past several, several years uh, since 92. The world is about to change again, and then the world is obviously potentially on the, on the, on the precipice of great change due to all the ramifications stemming from Dr. Manhattan. And coming into this episode, 
we had a lot of questions about what exactly was going to happen. I think you and I were both in, in sound agreement, and I think most people were, that whatever was going to happen to Dr. Manhattan was probably not going to be great. Uh, you know, if Dr. Manhattan is saying this story, this love story between us, Angela, ends in tragedy, then you got to take him at his word that he's probably going to die. Indeed, he did. He did not survive the finale, but, but perhaps his legacy lives on, and perhaps his powers live on in the form of an egg, as he mentioned in the penultimate episode. Doctor Manhattan talks about how he can um, he can infuse a, a living organism with his power, and he would pass it along should somebody be willing to take that power on, should somebody be willing to inherit it. There were the eggs that he that he were he was trying to cook some yep. waffles with in the penultimate episode. All of them were destroyed except for one. At the end of this episode, Angela Abar finds herself in the kitchen, remembering her late husband's words, seeing the one egg intact. She goes outside. She consumes the eggs, the one egg. She puts her foot above the pool. Can she walk on water as her husband could? He did once tell her, it's important that you see me walking on water for later. Is this why? Is this the later? Is Angela Abar the new Dr. Manhattan. It's it's left up in the air as a question by the show, though it seems certainly uh, from certain vantage points that maybe this isn't quite as ambiguous as some of the other Damon Lindelof HBO endings we've had in the past. No, I know you had a conversation this week for The Hollywood Reporter here with Damon Lindelof, and he talked about this. I think from the context of the episode, it also seems pretty clear. And just what we know about Dr. Manhattan, not a man given to jokes. I'm not sure why he would have told Will Reeves that line that Angela needed to hear about the, was it omelet and eggs or Tomlet and Greggs, Josh? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, believe it, I believe it was Tomlet and Greggs. Uh, Dr. Manhattan, a noted succession fan. Succession, a noted popular show in the uh, Watchmen universe because it depicts such a strange alternate dimension. But we're going to know more about Succession than he does uh, because he's dead now, so he doesn't know how it ends. That's great. But yeah, I, I think he would never have told Will that line. He wouldn't have made the jokes that he made. He wouldn't be setting this all up as just a goof, as a cosmic prank on Angela. I think that he, the, the Dr. Manhattan we know uh, is a guy who doesn't joke around like that. So this is probably on the level. Plus, how does the egg not break when she slams that carton down? Seems unlikely. So I do think that the egg has... Well, what he thinks are his powers in it. Certainly he talks about how it's theoretical in the scene you mentioned earlier when it is first discussed that we see the flash of here uh, in this finale when they were first meeting at that bar. God walks into a bar in Vietnam. So I don't know if it will actually work and I'm not sure if Dr. Manhattan knew if it would work again. He's not on the board at this point. So he has no ability to know whether or not she would even choose to eat it, let alone whether it would work. But I, I think that if he put his powers in that egg and if it worked, I think we're going to have Angela Manhattan here for sure. Sister Night Manhattan. This is a partial quote from my interview with Damon Lindelof, which again, read THR.com slash Watchmen. Damon told me, uh, Dr. Manhattan had an advantage that we, the writers, did not when we first sat down to start talking about the story. Dr. Manhattan could see the finale. He had watched the finale, but he only gets to watch up to the point where he blows up. He does not know what happens after he blows up. That part for him is unseen. So what is he going to do before he blows up to ensure that his power, which everybody is after, in sort of an it's a mad, 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 mad world construct where the white supremacists and a narcissistic trillionaire are all after his power, he's deciding that anyone in pursuit of his power probably shouldn't have it. But this is a show about legacy. He wants to give his power to the woman he loves. Once we settled on that idea, then it was just a matter of executing it. 
This is not me saying what happens when her foot hits the water. That's once again continuing Damon's quote. He continues, there are certainly two possible outcomes, but if you watch the entire season again, or if you look at the poster for Watchmen that existed 15 weeks ago, oh our gosh. intention is clear. So, Antonio, this is now me, Josh Wiggler, speaking to you. Let's look at that poster for Watchmen that existed 15 weeks ago that Damon Lindelof is talking about. And it's the key art for the season of Watchmen. And it's Regina King as Sister Knight standing front and center with the face paint on. She's got the full suit on. The hood is down. She is standing in the foreground with the, the big yellow clock, the big orb, the Watchmen clock, the logo behind her and juxtaposed on her with the text Watchmen. And underneath it is saying, it's time. There is a light source uh, that I had never, this is a, it's an incredibly badass poster, but there, there are things that I just like had not paid attention to outside of just how awesome it was to see Regina King in character here for a show that is based on Watchmen that comes from Damon Lindelof and is basically putting all of my possible favorite things together into one television program one of those things is this light source and you look at you look at sister knight and she is bathed in a blue light she is covered in blue half of her face is blue the the way that she is facing out she is covered in blue and i think if you if you're just looking at it and not thinking anything of it you're just thinking of it as like maybe moonlight is shining down upon her but no unambiguously antonio she is half blue she is yeah. blue in this poster that existed before a single second of the series premiere of Watchmen made its way to the public eye. This is amazing uh, hiding in plain sight. Not to mention that she's standing in front of this big yellow orb like a giant egg yolk uh, from which uh, the new Dr. Manhattan is going to hatch. It's time indeed. Uh, and in the, in the spirit of a great Dr. Manhattan story, Angela Abar has been Dr. Manhattan this entire time <laughs> the, the the question is like it she has been dr manhattan this entire time and in the promotional doctor, sense at the very in the promotional <laughs> sense right uh and she she has this like level of embracing it like i don't know to what extent will reeves maybe knew it seems like maybe he might have known some aspect of this or he may not have but it, i don't not sure if he was there to shepherd her into this choice it has to be a choice on some level that Dr. Manhattan, when he decided to provide it to her, knew that she would take. Like, this is a thing where, as as the quote there indicates, that you've got a trillionaire in these white supremacists in the madman, mad world sense of it all, trying to pursue power and trying to pursue, in fact, Dr. Manhattan's powers and how that might be problematic. That might be proof that they don't deserve it. Uh, but one of the other quotes, right, from the episode is, anyone who seeks to attain the power of a god must be prevented at all costs from attaining right. it. That's from Adrian Veidt about Lady True trying to obtain the powers of Dr. Manhattan. But it doesn't seem to be the case with Angela. It seems to be that we're not only going to provide her with the opportunity to do it, but she's going to be the only one. Or we're going to make sure she understands that it's her choice. And by the way, choice that she doesn't seem to ponder for very long. Do you think the show comes down one way or the other on the morality of that and whether or not she will make a good Dr. Manhattan? I know this also came up in your interview with Damon. 
Yes, and it came up in my interview with Damon because it came up in conversation with you, Antonio, and this is something that you and I were talking about offline after we watched the finale before I had a chance to speak with Damon Lindelof just a a short while before that conversation, so it was very much fresh on the mind, and I asked him about it. I, I brought up what you brought up with me, this idea of you can't heal under a mask, wounds need air, which is what Will Reeves says in the Dreamland Theater in one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen in a very long time, let alone on Watchmen. Uh, It's only hours after John Osterman has died, at most, that Angela eats the egg, presumably with the intention of inheriting John's powers, and, you know, even, even less time than that, since Angela has received these words from Will that wounds need air. Damon describes what might be happening for Angela as, quote unquote, something wonderful. But is it something wonderful, or is it something dangerous in its own right, is the question that I asked. Lindelof's immediate answer was, Dangerous, you mean aside from the fact that it's dangerous to eat raw eggs. Uh, and then, and, then, and then continue to, to provide a serious answer. Uh, and this is his answer in full. I think it's reasonable to ask the question, what was Will Reeves's plan in coming to Tulsa beyond killing an influential member of a white supremacist organization and kicking off the story? The plan was to form a bond with his granddaughter, for her to understand her legacy, for her to understand how she became a masked cop. When we meet her in the pilot, she doesn't have an understanding of why she spray paints this mask on her eyes or why she has this violent anger within her. It's a very reasonable anger, by the way. He contextualizes that story for her and explains her legacy. She's one generation removed from the very first superhero. He wants to give her the cautionary tale. Wounds need air. As long as I was hiding my face, I could never heal. Hopefully this information I'm giving you will help you in this next phase. It does seem that the conversation between Manhattan and Cal's form when he went to visit Will 10 years earlier did, in fact, continue. We know that Manhattan said, I want to form an alliance with you. It suggests that both of them conspired to give Angela this decision as to whether or not she wanted this power. But Manhattan couldn't have known whether or not she would take it. The last line of dialogue in the show comes from Will, and I think it's very telling as to what our intention was. That last line of dialogue, by the way, from Will, I don't have it directly in front of me, but it's it's something to the effect of when they're in the kitchen and right after he says, I'm going to go sleep for two straight days, which is awesome, by the way. Well-earned uh, sleeping justice. Uh, Hooded justice could definitely <laughs> nap this one off for as long as he needs. He tells Angela he was a good man, talking about uh, Dr. Manhattan. He was a good man. I'm sorry he's gone, but considering what he could have done, he could have done more. I do believe that it is the show's intention that between Angela getting the context of where she comes from, uh, knowing who Hooded Justice was, knowing her connection to him, knowing about her family, knowing her family history, knowing her place in the chain of events that has uh, circled her entire life, that has circled the history of this world, certainly the modern history of this world, and even before uh, the, 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 the advent of superheroism in the world of Watchmen, uh, how fundamentally sensitive she is to all of that, the fact that she is also connected to John Osterman, that he came to her, that they were predestined, that they were linked in the way that they were, that she has now gone straight up against white supremacy in the form of the 7K, uh, that she has seen someone with the resources and the capabilities of Lady True and, and what she would have done and the lengths that she would have gone to enact Dr. Manhattan's abilities and what she may have done to the world, which she believes would have been good and, and helpful in probably the same ways that Adrian Veidt views what he did with the squid to be good and helpful in in achieving something akin to utopia. I think that the hope for the show 
show, at least as far as I read it, is that Angela now has historical context as well as her lived-in experience to be somebody who can wield that egg, who can wield these powers in a more benevolent direction. You have to digest that in the same, you know, uh, meal that you're also digesting the fact that Angela, like, ruthlessly interrogated people early in this season. Takes, you know, the law under her own hands as, as a police and officer. And in this episode, Breaking Fingers... You know, there's 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 a lot there's a lot there, and I and I, I think that he's a narcissist, Ozymandias, uh, and uh, given his history of violence, is somebody who should be taken lightly. But it is a powerful thing that he says that anybody who attains, uh, who whose ambitions are to attain the power of a god, should be stopped at all costs. Does that apply to Angela? I think that this is one of the fascinating questions that that stems from this episode, and I believe in Regina King. And I and I love me some Angela Abar, and I'm looking at this poster of Angela Abar bathed in blue, and I got to tell you, Antonio, I want almost nothing more in the universe than to see a second season of this show with her as Dr. Manhattan. Um, <laughs> but whether or not that would be a positive thing for the greater world of Watchmen, hard to say. Hard to say for sure. Hard to say for sure. I think that's where I come down on it as well. And we can get into that more in the podcast we do later this week about possibilities for second seasons and beyond for this show. But it is important, I think, to contextualize Angela potentially becoming Dr. Manhattan in the context of how John Osterman himself became Dr. Manhattan and the things that we know, at least from the context of the graphic novel. And you want to throw in some stuff from the show, that's fine. He was a refugee. He was brilliant. He went to Princeton. He was working on this project. He didn't seem like a bad or even a moral guy. Uh, he seemed like a decent, upstanding guy. And this thing just sort of happened to him. He didn't seek it out. And look how he ended up, even by 1960 or so, in that great chapter four of Watchmen, the graphic novel, John is describing as Dr. Manhattan some of the things that he was doing. And he talks about breaking up Moloch, the crime lord's den, and it shows him exploding a guy's head. And the, the comment with the panel says, the morality of my activities escapes me. We saw in this season when he talked about him being involved in Vietnam, he was just trying to do what he thought people wanted. Being able to see time all together in at once certainly impacted his view in, in, in the graphic novel and in the show of humanity, of understanding humanity. That is the central question of John, of Dr. Manhattan in the graphic novel, is how human even is he? What, what touch does he even have with humanity? And I don't get the sense that the reason he lost touch with humanity is because he was was a human or a moral or a bad person to begin with. So I wonder what somebody coming in with, as you're observing, all of their very complicated and very like deep and rich personal understanding of legacy, both of this nation's legacy and her own family's legacy that Angela has, along with her own problems, never mind the fact that she eats the egg, having not really processed any of the loss that, just, that she just experienced in the last 24 hours, I'm just not sure it's a guarantee that it's going to go well. I think it's a coin flip, and I think in a world with superheroes, when you're flipping a coin, that can go either way. You can have a really one really bad day, and when someone with those powers and a lot of problems in their past and a lot of anger and a lot of fear, maybe she's able to put that to bed. Maybe the conversation she has in the theater with Will Reeves is enough. I think it's at least an open question, especially since in this very episode, we have that quote from Osmandius himself about what about people who pursue these types of things. And especially since we see Lady True and Senator Keene doing it for purely 
bad purposes. Even though Lady True claims they're good, we know that they'll be bad and we're told they're bad. So in Angela's case, just because they're good, I don't know that they'll end up good. They certainly didn't end up good with John Osterman and he didn't pursue it on purpose. So it's TBD. I think the fact that it's open is fascinating and it definitely opens the door for any way they would want to go with the show uh, or not at all going forward. I think maybe it might be better that we leave the Angela story without knowing with the possibility that it's sort of a Schrodinger's Manhattan here, that both could be true at the same time until we find out and then that could be the problem so i really like that ending on that level that it would work but we don't know if it would work right and good things would happen or not for sure same thing with an atomic bomb it's that paradox right like sure you can create the thing that doesn't mean it's going to go well or be used well right i mean is the better thing to do to just like squash the egg so nobody can have the power is it hubris to think that you can wield the power i can understand it um from angela's perspective from from a grief perspective of like my husband is gone. This will make me feel closer to him. Like he won't actually be gone if I take this on. Um, I think that there there's compelling material there from from a storytelling perspective for the future to mine. But also, even if it's dangerous, as far as character growth, I think for for Angela here, for somebody who you know the Doctor Manhattan love story with her really does emphasize this idea that Angela was so alone for so much of her life and living in inexplicable pain and not understanding where she came from or why she felt the way that she felt about any of the things that she had experienced in her life, you know, growing up in the orphanage, growing up in a place where, uh, as is mentioned, there's there's not a lot of people who look like you here, are there, by her grandmother in that conversation in Vietnam, to then lose her husband and then maybe now feel like, I can I can still be connected to him. I can still be connected to him in this way is somebody who is in in a way choosing love, maybe not in a very healthy way. And I think that that's something that's worth debating. And I, I think that that's so provocative and great about an ending like this. And 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 I adore it. And if the if the series continues and if we get more Angela Abar stories or even if we get stories focused on other characters, but Angela Abar as Dr. Manhattan now functions in this universe, we're going to, you know, get more intel on this one way or the other, whether it's like surface matter or background detail. All of that said, like it still might not be the healthiest choice. One one thing that makes me feel a little more optimistic about Angela wielding Dr. Manhattan's power is, yes, Dr. Manhattan, the original, the OG, uh, J.O., John Osterman, that he he's, he's, you know, neutralized. He's like, he's de-atomized, right, into becoming Dr. Manhattan. It's a freak accident. It's not a choice. That is something right. that happens to him. And then he is he is left to, to, to you know, pioneer this path forward. Uh, this is an unprecedented situation. It's an unprecedented existence that he is now inhabiting, and he's having to experience time on all these different levels and doesn't know what to do with any of it. A key difference between John Osterman and Angela Abar is Angela knows the mythology of Dr. Manhattan better than basically anybody, better than Laurie Blake maybe even, certainly has has spent the, the last decade with this man, granted much of that decade spent with him in a form where he was not in the guise of Dr. Manhattan, where he was in the guise of Cal. Uh, but she has had 10 years to contemplate what it means to be Dr. Manhattan. She's been married to him. She's been living with him. She's, she's known more about Dr. Manhattan than Dr. Manhattan himself has known for the last 10 years. So I think somebody who, who can contemplate and understand that character, that great power comes great responsibility of it all, the way that she has had that front row seat to this man and his existence for this period of time, to then take it on is not a choice that's being taken lightly. So even though it's a it's a choice that's made swiftly, I don't think that it's a choice that's made lightly. And I am I am encouraged on on that level. But the point is, 
We just have no idea how it's going to shake out. It may never shake out at all if this is indeed the end of all things. But as Dr. Manhattan himself once said, Antonio, nothing Nothing ever ends. ends. Indeed. And one of the things that (laughs) I'm just thinking about as you're talking here is even though she did contemplate the decision, she didn't have a family at the time. Now Dr. Manhattan is a parent. Like, can you imagine being a parent and knowing everything that's going to happen to your children? Those kids are going to get away with nothing. They're going to get away with nothing. you are on watch. (laughs) You're on forever watch. Like, I know exactly what you're going to do when you're 40 if I'm still alive. So I'm certainly going to know what you're going to do in 10 minutes. But uh, not just that, but just the ability to, like... I think from from people who are parents just, you know, wanting to make the best world you can for your children and wanting to do everything. And so I would fight somebody who threatened my child in that way or those instincts. What happens now that Angela Abard knows all of those things about the way the world could be? And she has parental instincts. She has a family that she's formed. And not only that, but you talk about living reminders. They're living reminders of uh, her partner uh, and their, you know, the children that her partner had and her relationship with Cal that they were raising together. So um, this is a very complicated thing when you speak of legacy that is now in play as well with Dr. Manhattan. It's hard enough for people, human beings, to have relationships with Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen because he sees the way he sees so many times. He fights with every person he's ever in a relationship with. He just knows the no bounds, and he's a lover, and he's all over the place with that. But that isn't the only problem. Sometimes the problems are he knows what's going to happen in a relationship before it happens. And I just imagine how hard it must be or it will be for Angela Abar as Dr. Manhattan or with those powers to raise a family. I think it would be very difficult to be a parent and be Dr. Manhattan or to be a child of Dr. Manhattan. And by difficult, I mean, I don't know that it ends well. And I don't know exactly how it ends. I'm not Dr. Manhattan, but I don't know that it ends well. I don't. Right. A lot of these portends are poor sure. for a person that, that have the powers placed in them, let alone a person we know with a violent streak and with an axe to grind. So Yeah, but who needs an axe when you could just vaporize people with right. your mouth? I like the idea that Dr. Manhattan, the original Dr. Manhattan, helped conquer Vietnam and Angela Abar, herself Vietnamese, returns to Vietnam to liberate it. Like, I like the idea of things like that. There is a lot of opportunity storytelling wise. Yeah, because that means like gigantic 100 foot tall uh, Regina King in season two. of You want to see that, right? <laughs> I mean, there's so, there's so much. I, I do hopefully think. Hopefully she has a little more modesty than the uh-huh. that we've seen. <laughs> For Regina King's sake. Right. I, I think I think one of the things that is exciting about the prospect of Angela Abar as Dr. Manhattan is also one of the things that is um is is maybe a little sad about it, but I think is a is a great creative opportunity for the show. Is we introduced Dr. Manhattan so late in uh this season of Watchmen, as we discussed, because once you have Dr. Manhattan in the room, nothing is off limits anymore. You know, the in in terms of the power skills, the 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 power levels, the potential of the abilities that Dr. Manhattan possesses, what that can do for the story actually makes storytelling relatively difficult. Now that Angela is the person who's in possession of those powers, does it make Angela a fairly difficult character to have in a sustained way for a second season of of Watchmen? And there have been tremendous characters all throughout this first season of Watchmen who I would love to see more of. I would love to see more of Tim Blake Nelson as Wade now that he knows um, that that the squids are not real and now that he's participated in uh, getting justice against the guy who traumatized him. I'd love to see more. I don't need to. It would be great. There are other characters in this universe that I would be very happy to spend more time with. I'd be equally thrilled, if not more so, 
to find new people in this world. So as you say, go to Vietnam, spend a season there, focus on what's going on in that world and how that world has been affected by the events of Watchmen and what the thematic potential there could be. And with an Angela Abar who is quite literally potentially like a looming background figure as this 100 foot tall Dr. Manhattan or, you know, a, a version of the character who becomes important to the story, but maybe is not the central figure of the story. But I, I, I almost think that by the nature of this ending, if we accept that she does now indeed possess the Dr. Manhattan abilities, and this is not really one where I feel like there's a ton of wiggle room on this. I, I do think that we are looking at uh, Sister Manhattan, as it were, by the end of this episode. That I, I think with her possessing those abilities, it's hard to imagine Angela Abar as a focus for a second season. And that sounds like that's very much within the wheelhouse of, of what Damon Lindelof would like to see from a second season should a second season occur this is once again from him in my interview with him i asked him are you interested in a second season uh, you know now that the finale is upon us has your has your view changed uh, are you interested in a second season and he said it's so interesting that you present the question that way because am i interested in a second season the answer to that question is yes in the same way that i'm interested in anything that calls itself watchmen i do find it interesting where the story could go next more importantly i think we always think about how season two of a show is the continuing adventures of the first season of the show. That's what happened on Lost. It's what happened on Breaking Bad. But there's another thing that's happened on television. Look at season two of The Wire. That season, it's the docs. McNulty and the cops are relegated to being second stringers, no pun intended, on, in the second season of The Wire. The third season is Hamsterdam. The fourth season is a deep dive on public schools. I think Watchmen, not unlike Fargo or True Detective, can accommodate a much larger space of storytelling. That's interesting to me. So what Lindelof is is positing here, and I think what the idea of a super-powered Angela Abar presents as well, is that there could be a second season of Watchmen. It would be very hard for it to be the continuing tales of a Angela Abar front and center. They would have to find a Sabatka family, as it were. Correct. Maybe even Chris Bauer could show up as the new main character. I'd like to see him in a suit. I thought I heard you say uh, Dan Dreberg, Adrian Veidt, same prison. I think that's what I heard you say. Uh, so we're going with Prison Break Season 2. I think that's what we're, we're going to yeah, have. Yeah, get so, Wentworth Miller in there, Dominic <laughs> Purcell. Yeah, or maybe just an Oz-type scenario. Uh, we can bring some <laughs> yeah. of these people in. Oh, my God. I mean, Dan at Dreberg. the end of Oz, not to spoil a, a show that went off the air in the early 2000s. but How dare they, you? They had to temporarily relocate prisons, and their fates were up in the air. Uh, so is everybody in the same Supermax now? Are we going to see Tobias Beecher crossing paths with Adrian Veidt? Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> that HBO has not, uh, have they really dipped their toes into the crossover waters? This would be an interesting place to start, to say the least, reviving a 20-year-old show, as you're saying. But uh, no, I, I think you're Maybe you're Tobias Beecher a, gets uh, some Dr. Manhattan powers, and it's another blue Tobias on television. I was just going to say, maybe Tobias Funke can come in and talk <laughs> to Angela about being the problems with being blue. Uh, so who knows? But uh, right. The Oz Deep Dive podcast coming to series regular in 20 Never. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for that. I already saw it though, uh, the the podcast because I ate an egg for breakfast this morning, so uh, it, it was good. Podcast went well, as if a cowboy actor could become president. Josh, I wasn't even sure when Adrian Veidt references that who that's even a diss on. Is it Robert Redford? Is it Ronald Reagan? Is it George W. Bush? Like I don't know who that is a diss on, but it felt like a diss to me. I loved Adrian Veidt in this episode. His journey is complete. I joke about him being in prison with Dan Dreberg. Were you? 
satisfied with this ultimate ending for the Adrian Veidt character, getting justice ultimately for the acts that he committed when maybe he should have been given, he believes he should have been given an award uh, for killing three million people and saving the world twice. Does this feel like justice to you at the long, winding end of the trail here? I know it does for, for Mirror Guy, for Looking Glass, but does it feel like justice to you? I think... What fascinates me about what this series did with Adrian Veidt is he really didn't change it at all. Well, he he <laughs> he, he changed he changed in in a meaningful way in the sense that he he got despondent and he got he, he became embittered. And he said resen- daughter. He was able to say daughter. Right. He he became resentful of a world that did not appreciate what he did. That he sacrificed so much in his mind uh, to build this greater world that just did not match the potential that he envisioned. But even more so than that, I think Adrian Veidt reveals himself as a man with such ego and such narcissistic tendency as even he is allowed to point out takes one to no one when he's talking about his uh don't call her daughter that he <laughs> not fit to he was he was not able to take the win just as it was he did not do it out of a sense of altruism right it was not an altruistic pursuit to change the world he wanted to be adrian the great and he wanted to go down into history books. But by the way that he engineered his plan, there's no way in which that can happen because how is he to be associated with the Interdimensional Incursion Act of 11-2 without being implicated as the perpetrator? And to do that would mean to be imprisoned forever and to be demonized and villainized. And so the way that he changed over the course of the series was to kind of sink deeper into being an awful person. You know, being like a very fun person to watch on on television. And Lindelof tells a great story about why Adrian Veidt ended up presenting so comedically across the nine episodes that that we got from him. But he doesn't really, he doesn't grow, at least not positively. Uh, he shrinks. And I think that, that that makes a second season of an Adrian Veidt story very much a compelling prospect to me. Can that needle change? Can that move? Or is that just Adrian Veidt? What happens when you get him and Dan Dreberg in the same prison cell together, at least in the same cell block with each other and Tobias Beecher uh, and Miguel Alvarez and Torquemada Mata and all of the rest? Uh, you know, I think I, I think that that could be I think that that could be really rich storytelling venue. But I think it could also be really satisfying on its own if this is all we ever get, either of Watchmen or of the Adrian Veidt character. I think to to see him get justice in this way when he had an opportunity for a happier ending that he rejected for himself because it wasn't enough to, to live in a land filled with people who, who loved him, who were designed to love a master and he was their master and he couldn't find a way to coexist with them in any kind of benevolent fashion. He had to mold them into being worthy adversaries or just pawns in his prison break attempt of his own. The fact that he wasn't able to find love with these people uh, is such an indictment of the character and I think it is I think it is the justice he deserves after what he got, after what he did. Uh, and I think it's it's wonderful in in our mind's eye to speculate on what the remainder of his life looks like in this world that is going to know the truth about what he did. Just as it's it's so it's end it's endless to to speculate what the on future the watchman would look like. Yeah, the the, the evolution right. of the world of this story. You know, forget who's this gonna focus on if we go into a second season, forget who's gonna run the show. Really, the, the biggest questions are how the heck does this world change? This is like Rorschach's journal being published all over again, except they've got video proof this time. They got the tape. 
they have the tape. They have the guy uh, who will, I'm sure, at his own trial, not flatulate, but in probably willfully embrace his role in this because he wants the credit. So in this world, how will anyone ever trust anything anymore? How is anyone ever going to trust any government story? Uh, if Robert Redford is tied to this, are we ever going to see a Democratic president again, for example? Or is this going to be a, a scandal which plagues a political party and takes down a nation as a result? Like there are all these possibilities in this world where this crime is revealed. There is a reason if you want to talk about how Watchmen the graphic novel does not end with Adrian Veidt being arrested and Rorschach going and alerting the authorities and the authorities reining him in, the reason was to preserve the the moral checkmate, right? To preserve the world that had been created as a result of the squid attack. We had to basically say we're going to have to just keep up with this lie. Rorschach's life is even lost as a result of this. Dr. Manhattan himself, mostly a Moral is willing to spend uh, spend the the capital there and act and take Rorschach off the board because it, he he even recognizes the importance of protecting this lie that Adrian Veidt has created because it's important for humanity to be able to bond together at this point. If it's revealed that it's a lie, the world will probably end. So the question now is, it will be revealed that it's a lie. How tenuous was the peace that was formed? How strong are the bonds that have been formed? Does it throw everything and anything that could have been formed as a result of this completely? aside like we we have no clue it will be an event at least on par with the original attack if not greater for the waves that it creates when it is revealed that it's not fake or that it is fake and that it was staged in a way that people i think had speculated on the wrong people the outsiders the 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 racists of the world who had embraced this as their ethos uh, that this was a lie will have been right and i think that's a really bitter pill to swallow for society and that will be a very difficult thing that the world of this show and Watchmen will have to contemplate, and we'll still have a Dr. Manhattan in it, in Angela Abar, but she'll be facing a much different world than this Dr. Manhattan did. Uh, so there, there definitely are a lot of opportunities for that. I also just have a, just a general question. I know the show is suggesting this. Do you just think that that's the end of our Dr. Manhattan, of John Osterman? Keep in mind, when John Osterman himself became Dr. Manhattan, what happened is he's in this intrinsic field removing kind of thing. There's a belief that there's an intrinsic field like gravity that links us all together. These intrinsic fields have been prevalent throughout. They're studying them. He is essentially separated from his body, disintegrated, if you will. And then over the next few months, he reemerges. Now, if I'm tracking this correctly, what happened was Lady True creates this centrifuge that obtains the essence of Dr. Manhattan and is processing and filtering it so that she can take it in. Then while that's about to happen, Adrian Veidt sends the Gatling squid down from the sky, destroys the centrifuge. The centrifuge falls on Lady True, destroys Lady True. Where does the essence go, Josh? And is it possible within a few months after the end of the show, it reemerges in some way as Dr. Manhattan? My hope is that the spirit of Dr. Manhattan lives on in that egg. And Angela ingesting the egg means that Dr. Manhattan, John Osterman, and Angela Abar are now sharing one body, not unlike Elliot Alderson and Mr. Robot on Mr. Robot. And so we are going to see uh, in season two, Angela with a special friend that is going to be accompanying her on her many adventures. Interesting. I mean, that I could, I could buy that. I could buy that. And it might help inform her decision-making. Like she may have somebody who has been there to, to talk about these issues with, even though I think you, you very correctly and, and, and I think uh, perfectly observe 
that she went through this already. Like she already had to be in a relationship with Dr. Manhattan. She understands the Dr. Manhattan living in the world element of everything. So this is a thing that she's familiar with, but maybe she never really got to pick his brain knowing that she might one day be Dr. Manhattan. Uh, so it might be nice to have him around. I just don't think that we should just assume that the centrifuge that his essence was in being destroyed by floating squid means the essence disappears when in the actual graphic novel itself the essence of John Osterman sure. begins to reappear months later because of what happens with Dr. Manhattan. Sure, but I think that the opportunity this presents, that this ending presents, that if if the powers that be decide that more Watchmen on HBO is a good idea. And I think that that's a discussion that's worth having maybe in greater detail in our second podcast about the finale, whether or not this story should continue or whether we should call a win a win and move on. I think one of the opportunities that's presented here is so much of the iconography in the graphic novel is dealt with here and dealt with to me in a very satisfying way, in a, in a way that really could have gone a totally different way. And Dr. Manhattan specifically as a character, John Osterman as a character, to me, dealt with in a very satisfying way. Dies for love, basically, which I think for, for someone who craved being human so badly the way that he did is a, is a pretty powerful way to go, especially after, what, you know, a century of being alive, not unlike Will Reeves. He was around for, for a little bit less than a century, I think, all told. I think it's a pretty powerful ending. And my hope is that if there's a second season that the John Osterman character is theoretical, uh, is a memory rather than a physical active presence on the board. You're absolutely right to point out that the departicalization of Dr. Manhattan was very much a part of his origin story and could very much be a part of the continuation of his story should uh, should Yahya Abdul-Mateen II be brought back in to play the character again? Should somebody else be brought back in to, uh, to be brought in to play the character? That could be interesting as well, to have many different people taking on the role of Dr. Manhattan over the lifespan of Watchmen. Could be fun to see them recast that role constantly, not unlike Altered Carbon, uh, <laughs> but maybe a, a slightly <laughs> better show, I would hope. No shade. I, I think that that could be fun, um, but I, I hope that that's the end of the story because I think it's a very satisfying ending for that story. I still think I, I think that there's more to be told with Laurie Blake. I think that there could be more to be told there. I think that there could be more to be done with Adrian Veidt. Uh, certainly more to be done with Dan Dreberg, the night owl who does not appear in this season at all. Because he does not appear in this season at all, I think that there's stories to be told there. But as what about Lube it, Guy, Josh? Lube Man is MIA, though. Uh, I, I asked Mr. Lindelof about this as well. And he assured me, and perhaps by the time you were listening to this podcast, you know more than we do. Lindelof said, there's one final installment of the PDpedia that will be coming out following the airing of the finale. It will not definitively answer your question about who is Lube Man, but in the same way that Hooded Justice's identity wasn't revealed in the original Watchmen, dot, dot, dot. And I asked him, so this is for your successor to deal with? And he says, exactly. So whoever is going to take on the second season of Watchmen, they will be left with the unenviable task of answering Lube Man in satisfying fashion. Masks make men cruel, Adrian Veidt told Phillips Prime. So I'm concerned about Lube Guy, that putting on the mask, the Lube Guy mask, makes him cruel. Much in the same way, though, I really liked the uh, moment near the end of this episode where we got to see Red Scare and Pirate Jenny unmasked 
Their masks had been removed. They were uh, placing Beyond into the back of the police car. After the aftermath of all the squid falling, uh, they immediately removed their masks and didn't feel like this is something they needed to do anymore. So the masking, the unmasking, and the remasking, and everything with Dr. Manhattan and Angela, I think all those themes are really strong, and they were really well served here in this finale, as well as, of course, the ultimate theme of this season with legacy, and legacy being such a key part of that. Were you satisfied legacy-wise with how we got to see the the genesis of Lady True and uh, the beginning of that story following through right. to how Lady True and Adrian Vida related? Well, I was worried at first. I was like, do we have time for this? You know, because it was like it was like 20 minutes of, of Ozymandias stuff. I'm like, what? Are we going to be able to satisfy when we wrap this whole thing up? Uh, there's so much business still to attend to. And so then in in the remainder of the episode, I was so impressed with the storytelling economy of how things moved so quickly and how so many things tied together, how many dif- uh, disparate plot threads. The fact that the Laurie Blake, Wade Tillman, and Ozymandias stories were all able to, to tie together was rather impressive to me. The fact that Angela's story uh, alongside Will Reeves' story, uh, how that was able to, to end on such a quiet and powerful note while uh, while squid fire or squid ice is raining from above and taking care of the Lady True story, just the economy of, of that storytelling and seeing how those squid fly, I suppose, is the thing that we should have been paying attention to, its flight patterns, was really great. But yeah, I, I am satisfied with Lady True's origin insofar as I think that in many ways, Lady True becomes a stand-in for the very idea of this show where uh, someone deigns to take Ozymandias's DNA and procreate with it uh, against its will, you know. Uh, and this is this is what happened with the show. This show exists because people decided to create it, despite the the wishes of its father uh, or one of its parents, at least Alan Moore, who wants n- this thing not to exist very much. But Damon Lindelof, nonetheless, injected Watchmen into himself and produced this child alongside his fleet of writers and directors and actors and this very talented group of human beings who 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 birthed this series. So I I think. I thought that the Lady True storyline ended up really mirroring that. And I think that your reaction to whether or not Lady True was a successful antagonist, whether she was a worthy adversary, to use uh, her her father's language, I think that that's going to map very much onto whether or not this series itself was successful. So you ask me if that story of legacy was successful. I answer to you, yes, resoundingly so. Definitely. I I feel the same way. It was something we had talked about a little bit here uh, and whether or not that made the most sense for her father will show up, uh, him being her father. Uh, I think filling in the blanks on this, especially the scene where he refuses to help her in any way, considering what he's built, uh, you can understand what might have motivated her beyond just who, not beyond, but beyond just who her family lineage was. Uh, she was certainly motivated by desire to prove herself in that regard and to prove that she was worthy. And I think she did that, uh, perhaps too successfully, in fact. What about Senator Keene? It was a great speech uh, about wanting to become blue and why he wanted to do it. Uh, There was a lot of comedy in that where we, Josh, you were right on about how the 7th K would have identified Dr. Manhattan with a teleportation moment from the White Knight being central to their identification, even though the guy couldn't remember when it was time to say his line. uh, Got a good laugh out of me uh, when he was prompted by Senator Keene there. But this is, uh, this is, the 7th K has been present from the very beginning of the show, obviously via Cyclops, and then also just from the incident with the truck and the lettuce. We now know what the watch batteries were for. We know what their ultimate plan was. We don't know ultimately what Judd Crawford's role in this would have been. Maybe just another one of the people. Yeah, I think we could probably ascertain by uh, the way... uh... (laughs) 
<laughs> His wife steps up. Yeah. Jane Crawford. Yeah. Yeah, that strikes me as uh, uh, as as we like to say in uh, in House Wiggler that Judd was on the side of the anaconda snakes. He was on the side of the anaconda snakes. Unfortunately uh, for him, for Don Johnson, and for anyone who liked that character from the jump, things were a lot more complicated than they seemed at the beginning, and then they were much more simple at the end of the day. Uh, that he was probably just uh, along with these racists, just doing racist shit, and got ultimately what he deserved for it. Uh, and so much the same with the actual racist. Maybe it does bode well for Angela as Dr. Manhattan that when they were all taken off the board in a, in a hot second by Lady True, uh, Angela was very taken aback by this, much as she's been throughout at the treatment of the people in the 7K uh, by the police uh, that she's watched. She has not really actively participated it in the way that they have, although she has destroyed uh, some faces, no doubt, uh, throughout, but she has not always seemingly relished in it the way that everyone has. So this brought her no, no glee, even as it might have brought us glee. But I thought the teleportation element of that, I thought that was really well executed. Yeah. Uh, very, very well done, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, there's still a lot to talk about as it pertains to, to Watchmen. Is there anything that you really feel like we need to hit on in this immediate reaction, or do you want to save the rest of this for feedback coming up? I really did like the moment where Cal teleported the three people away, and when uh, Angela asked why not me, he said, "I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be I alone." Die. And oh. it called called call it called back to, of course, when Doctor Manhattan in the graphic novel, when John is first experiencing the Manhattaning, when he knows his end is imminent. He's been locked in this time lock. Uh, his girlfriend at the time will not stay in the room. She leaves. She doesn't want to watch it happen. And he is essentially alone while it happens. Uh, yeah. And this is uh, this is his way of ensuring that that doesn't happen again. It is a little bit uh, a lot to ask of him putting this on Angela. Really well performed in the moment. Uh, just it was a. A very heart-wrenching scene ultimately when it happened but i thought i really just there, there's a lot of poetry in that connecting it back to the graphic novel so i didn't want to leave that on the table i'm curious what everybody thinks about the possibilities for a watchman season two yes. and where things can go from here what people might or might not want out of it maybe people feel differently than we do maybe people know why lady true built a tower uh <laughs> tbd right. um, yeah so so anyway yeah how can people get their feedback in all right, plenty of ways to get your feedback in. You can email us, seriesregular at thr.com. You can also tweet at us. You can tweet at me, at Round Howard. You can tweet at Antonio, at AC Mazzaro. How many Zs? How many Rs? Two Zs, one R. All right, so send all your feedback in to us. Of course, subscribe to Series Regular if you have not done so already. We are available on your podcast app of choice. Your ratings and reviews greatly appreciated when we come back we will be talking more about watchmen we will address your feedback we'll talk about possibilities for a second season we'll just look back on the season proper now that we can look at it in the full context I'm so excited to, 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 to reflect back on some of the things that were just hiding in plain sight now that we have this poster reveal uh what else was out there we'll do some deep diving into that and i'm sure we'll also talk a little bit about what's next for series regular so if you're interested in the future of the podcast we may have some updates for you on that front antonio anything else before we wrap up no just want to say thank you for having me uh participate with series regular here with you all season had a lot of fun talking about watchmen and now i'm going to go read every article on pdpedia again and see what i missed yes and read every article at thr.com slash watchmen as well i think especially that damon lindelof interview you're going to enjoy it lots yeah. lots of fun stuff there all right everybody we will be back in short order with more on watchmen one final podcast before we wrap up the season of watchmen and this season of series regular until then everybody take care goodbye
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.